0: today let's take our Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1 as we are going verse by verse through this text Uh, today we come to uh, look at one sentence two verses but let me back up for a minute I want to remind you because um, we took some time off to talk about missions and faith promise and stewardship so we're jumping back into this context so I want to remind you uh, of what what's happening here Paul uh, is in prison. This is one of the prison epistles. He's writing from a, a house arrest, a, in confinement, in a Roman prison, in a Roman, ice, you know, where he's, he's confined, and he's writing to these believers, and uh, he's anticipating his trial. And so what has been happening in this text here, in the first part, chapter one, he is anticipating uh, an unforeknown future, because he, doesn't really exactly know what how the, the trial is going to go. He could be acquitted and then just released, or uh, he could be sentenced to death, uh, which he ultimately would end up uh, paying the ultimate cost for preaching the gospel, but it wouldn't be this time. And so he's writing to them, and beginning of verse 12, we have two sections here, uh, beginning of verse 12 up to verse 11 is the salutations, the salutations, the greetings, And then beginning in verse 12, Paul talks about what's going on in his life and his affairs, uh, particularly his imprisonment. And he's rejoicing, as you might remember, he's rejoicing that the things that have happened to him have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. And he's rejoicing in that. Spend some time talking about that, that, the advance of the gospel. And that's kind of the theme through the rest of this chapter uh, because he's going to continue that idea of the advance of the gospel. But verse 24 and 25, what we're going to look at today is a transition. So he's been talking about what's going on in his life. And then he's, after today's verse, he's going to move into beginning of verse 27. He's going to begin to talk about what's going on in their life and particularly uh, the gospel advancing in their life. But I want us to look at now this one sentence, this transitional sentence, because we're talking about progressing in the faith. Look what Paul says. And we'll pray again in a minute after I read verses um, 20, 24 and 25. Remember verse 23, he says, I'm in a straight betwixt two. I'm, I'm hard-pressed, I'm, I'm, I'm in a dilemma, I'm in a straight betwixt two. And here's what the, the battle is having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So if Paul were to experience capital punishment for preaching the gospel, he was, he's, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. It's far better. Nevertheless, verse 24, he says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And then verse 25, he says, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Paul's very life was dedicated not just to the gospel and its advancement, but particularly to the people that he was investing in. And uh, if it were not for the Philippians, if it were not for the people that he poured himself into, he would be just as well and better off to just go be with the Lord. You know, that's far better to him. He was ready to die for Christ. It was the best case scenario. But he understood his life had a purpose. He had given his life to the believers. And here he's saying, you know, I'd like to go. I'd really love to be with the Lord. I'm ready to go any minute. I'm saved. I know where I'm going to heaven when I die. But he says, but you know what? It's more needful for me that I stay here for a little while for their Benefit, it would be very easy for somebody to misunderstand that. We're going to look at some of the wording of these verses uh, and this sentence. Because it would be very easy uh, for someone to misinterpret that and say, Wow, Paul, you really think pretty highly of yourself, don't you? You know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, their benefit and they're going to be joyful just because they can't wait to see you again. You know, and you can see how somebody could misunderstand that. And Paul, you know, in fact, it seems like he's he's making a reference to a a Greek translation of the Old Testament in Jeremiah. We'll look, look at that in a minute. But Paul was very much not about rejoicing and boasting in himself, but he is very much about boasting and rejoicing in the Lord. And that's where he's... That's what he's talking about. So, before we jump in, let's pray and pray that God will guide us in our time today. Father, thank you for your word. Father, there is food here for us, spiritual food, spiritual sustenance. Uh, you want us to be growing in our Christian faith. You want us to be advancing, to not stagnate or remain where we are. You want us to to move on uh, and and. He which began a good work in us will perform it. And you want to do that. And you were doing that in the believers in Philippi. But Lord, as we look at this sentence today, help us to examine our own lives in light of what Paul is saying. Are we growing in, in the faith? Is our Christian life advancing? And uh, Lord, help us if, if it's not that we'd make whatever means necessary that we would grow in the Lord, that we would advance and further uh, our faith. And we ask for your blessing now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Three things we want to look at just from this verse, or, or this sentence, verse 24 and 25. We want to look at, first of all, Paul's confidence. If you look at chapter tw- uh, verse twenty-five, uh, verse 25 and 26, verse 25 he says, Having this confidence. Be like us saying, you know what, I'm confident. And and sometimes we say that not because we have like inside information on something and we know something's going to happen, but we're kind of thinking positive and we're anticipating a a certain outcome. and, And I think that's the way Paul's saying it. He said, having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. That's the first thing, Paul's confidence. Second thing is their growth. He says, for your furtherance and joy of faith. The idea of furtherance is advancing in their walk with the Lord, in their faith. That was, that was what Paul was interested in. That's what Paul was concerned about. Their furtherance and joy. And by the way, these two terms go together. If you aren't growing and advancing in your Christian walk, you're probably not experiencing joy. And and joy is a very important thing. We're going to talk about that for a couple minutes. Because I hope, in fact, this is kind of, I think, a thermometer to see, you know, when we want to check our spiritual temperature, am I growing in the Lord? Am I advancing in my faith? Well, what's your relationship with joy? Because as we grow, again, this is connected. The Christian that is growing is going to experience the joy of the Lord. Not talking about circumstances. If you have some things going on and you're struggling right now, that's not to say, oh, then you're not growing. And that's not to say that it means you're always going to feel good. But this idea of joy is actually something that strengthens us. We'll talk about that. And then finally, uh, God being glorified is verse 26. And this, this is the thing that could sound arrogant if you misunderstand it. He says that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. You're going to be so happy that I'm going to come to you. you, know, you can, what? what is he talking about? Uh, let's understand, because uh, it is going to be a real reason for rejoicing, uh, but the boasting isn't boasting and magnifying Paul. It's boasting in Jesus Christ Because of how God uses Paul. So let's jump in. Look at verse 25. Philippians chapter 1 verse 25. Paul talks about his confidence. And having this confidence. Again it's like he's saying. I'm convinced of this. I know that I shall abide. And continue with you all. Now let's talk about this for a minute. As Paul. uh, He says I know. There's some confidence here. Uh, Having this confidence. What's your confidence Paul? Well, I know that I shall abide. He's, in other words, he's going to remain alive. That's the idea. Remember, he was just tossing, you know, life, death, that issue, to live as, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And he's weighing these options here, and he's saying, if I remain alive and continue with you all, uh, that's what he was confident of. Now let's back up for a minute. There are times when and Paul, Charlie, was just talking in Bible study about spiritual gifts. And, and definitely at that first century church, they had gifts uh, where they could, you know, they had certain, for reasons of what God was doing in, in revealing this, this New Testament canon and the gifts that were given, what Charlie identified, some called the sign gifts, that were, because of what God was doing, the Jews require a sign, he gave some unique I believe, temporary gifts to equip the church. And so Paul had some of those gifts and he had certain ability because he was preaching the gospel. But there were also limitations. In fact, Paul in Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, you know, thinking about his plans, we all make plans, don't we? You know, boast not thyself of the morrow. Remember James talked about If any of you say today and tomorrow we're going to go here and go there and get gain. He says, you don't know what's on your life, what, what your life is. Pope's not of tomorrow. And he said, what you ought to say is if the Lord will, we will do this and that. And that's, of course, we do that. But listen to what Paul said in Acts 20, and verse 22. He said, and now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. So Paul did not have advanced insight into all his plans. He was a human being, and as that example that I just quoted, he didn't know what was ahead. But then there's other examples where he did get some revelation. For example, in Acts chapter 20, verse 25, he says this, And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. So he was talking to the believers in Asia of that time and uh, his converts, the ones he led to the Lord. And uh, based on some things that God had revealed to him, he knew this would be his last time seeing them. So now we come to this text. And by the way, the word for know, to know, the Greek word that is used here is it's the same word used in every instance. But let's look at this one here in verse 25. Having this confidence... I know, knowledge, that I shall abide and continue with you all. Again, that kind of a knowledge is um, based on what he already said. Remember he was talking about life or death? You know, for me to live is Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. So whether I live or die, I want Christ to be magnified. He was good with that. But then again in verse 24, he said, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful or necessary for you. And then and then he says this statement, having this confidence. I, I, it's like he's saying this, I really think that the Lord wants me around for a little bit longer. And because of that, because, because I need to do some things in your life. I need to come and my ministry with you is not done yet. I believe that's the idea of what he's saying. Now, there's actually a play on words, which is often the case uh, in, the, in the original languages. And here, there's an interesting play on words with the word remain. In fact, if you look at um, verse 24, Philippians one twenty four, he said, um, Nevertheless, to abide, that's a particular Greek word that can also be translated to remain, is more uh, to abide in the flesh, that means to remain alive, the idea is what he means, is more needful for you. And then verse 25, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide, remain alive, and, look at the next word, continue with you all. That's a, it's, it's the same root word in the Greek, play on words. The word continue is to remain here with you. And so there's this play on words. He's saying, you know what, I'm confident, I'm convinced, That I'm going to remain alive and I'm going to remain here with you all. What he's saying. And again, this is not an arrogant uh, statement. And commentators have picked up on a word that I would have just overlooked a million times probably. But um, notice again verse 25 at the end. He says, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith. But he says, for you all. Now, again, I just would overlook this, probably most of us would, but there's a bunch of theologians that have studied this that believe that, that it's the, the wording of, of when he says you all. Because we're going to get to this down the road, but apparently there was, some, um, there was some contention going on in the church. There was some strife. There was a, Paul was going to need to exhort them To unity and he would do that and we'll see that in the in the weeks ahead but uh, some believe that he is intimating here that uh, by the idea of remain here for you all like he's already planting the seed that he's going to be exhorting them very soon about their need to be all to be one to be like-minded to be together and that very well could be the case Uh, but for sure one of the things that that is very clear here is that God uses people in our lives, particularly the New Testament church. When people get saved, God has ordained. Jesus said, I will build my church. And in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that we are to... Not not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another daily. You see, God wants us to be together, and yet we live in a fractured society where there's so many lone star Christians that are like, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anyone else. And if that was the case, Paul would have been better to just check out. I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go to heaven. But Paul understood that people need people. And people needed Paul. Again, not that, he was, not that he thought too highly of himself, but that God's design is that we be a part of one another's lives. I remember that George Mundell quote. He was a pastor in Darby, Pennsylvania for many years. Uh, Maranatha Tabernacle, which is no longer there. Uh, and he, he made this statement that has made an impact on many people's lives. He said, I must view every person and every circumstance that comes into my life as a Holy Spirit coming to me through that person and through that circumstance to make me more like Christ. And when I've thought of that, and I've had to go back on that over and over again, um, because, you know, it's easy for us to look at people that rub you the wrong way or circumstances that are contrary and to... Fight against that, like clearly God does not want this person in my life irritating me the way they are, or clearly God does not want this circumstance, and we become like the Apostle Paul. I got a thorn in the flesh, something that irritates me. Lord, please get rid of it, right? I mean, that's our first our first default setting. Lord, please make things better. But go back to that quote. Everything comes into our life for a reason. Remember Paul said to the Corinthians, all things are for your sakes? My wife and I had the opportunity recently to go to a pastor's luncheon. Um, Some of you may remember uh, Roy Russell, Life Financial Institute, and and he puts on a pastor's uh, luncheon quite often at Shady Maple. Now, when I first got the invitation a couple years ago, I thought, how can I avoid a free opportunity to go to Shady Maple but we've never been able to work it out so Mary and I were finally able to go to this pastor's luncheon at Shady Maple and um, one of the Tim in fact it was Tim Russell's pastor spoke and just gave a phenomenal challenge and he, he's talking to a group of pastors and pastors wives and staff and and he played an audio there's a pastor of a church somewhere in Lancaster County I guess and he played an audio of a phone message that one of his church members had left for him. And it was not, it wasn't sweet nothings. This man was really upset with the pastor. And he was so, you could just, in fact, I think because we're in a room with pastors, all these pastors are like reliving past trauma in their lives from people. Uh, Because, I mean, this guy was, he was passionate. He was so, so upset at the pastor and he just let him at it. Let him have it. You know, you, you ever heard of rolling someone on the carpet? Is that the phrase that's used? You know I mean? You really, you lay into them. And that's what he did. And I remember when I'm hearing, I'm like, I can't believe this guy's playing this. Well, apparently he did get permission. And the way it, it, it evolved is, um, and he shared the story that, uh, that um, you know, there was a fracture in the relationship. And this man was clearly in the flesh, not honoring God with the way... You know, the Bible says the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Uh, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, and, and, and this man was clearly just venting and he wasn't walking in the spirit. But God did a work and, and he shared some of the details the pastor did and uh, it, it just melted our heart. As You know, it's such a blessing when God restores relationships and then at the end of his devotion or his message, he played a video, an audio of that same man getting things right before the church. And it just it just was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Because this man was tender-hearted. God had worked in his life. He, he just confessed. He said, I was in the flesh. I was out of place. I was wrong. And he, and he asked for the forgiveness. And there's something so beautiful about people growing together. And, you know, the iron sharpening iron. I, you know, when you heard that, from, there was some sparks going on. But God uses that. And, and then he went on and shared with us that, um, and he's probably been at his church, larger church, for about the same time we've been here. And he shared that there was, uh, you know, we've had this many church discipline situations. Never enjoyable for a church. Always a difficult thing. Really difficult. And then he said, of those, it might have been like 10, I think it was under 10. And he said, of those, and then he shared how many people of those where where they disciplined the member had reconciled with the church. And it it wasn't all of them, unfortunately, but it was most of them. And I remember just being like, wow, that is such a blessing. And and we're going to get into this, obviously, as we go through Philippians, that apparently, you, you know, there was some strife going on and Paul needed to exhort them in that, one, in that way. But I want you to realize that, that God puts people in our lives for a reason. He put Paul in their lives so that he could say, I, I believe God wants me to remain to be with you for your benefit. Again, not in an arrogant way. Uh, and, and we, In fact, based on 1 Timothy, you don't need to turn there, but there's a statement in 1 Timothy chapter, 3, chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this, I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. And by the way, this was written later. This, what I'm reading here in 1 Timothy 1, and verse 3, was written after the events of Philippi and the Philippians. He says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge, and then he goes on and exhorts them. So it seems that, that that's exactly what happened. Since this event was after, and he went to Macedonia from where he was, we can kind of put two and two together and realize that, okay, he was right. God wanted him there. I want to ask you something. Are you where God wants you to be? And those of you that are online, are you where God wants you to be? And, and if you are, it is, it is involved with other believers. And you're not always going to be simpatico. You know, there's going to be conflict. It's going to be the iron sharpening iron. And God uses that to grow us. Don't pull away from the believers in your life. Don't pull away. You'll have difficult times. Now, let's go to the second part of verse 25. First, Paul was talking about his confidence, and now he's talking about their growth. He says, again, verse 25, Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of Faith. We'll get the last part. For your furtherance, their progress, their advancement in the faith. That's Paul said, you need more growing to do. You need to conquer some more ground. You need to, you need to progress in your Christianity. And I'm going to help you to do that. And, so, and then the second one, again, the furtherance and then the word joy are both connected to faith. Joy of faith. And it's the, it's the joy that is produced. These two things go hand in hand. As we grow in our faith, we also experience the resultant joy. Joy is a key word and a theme in the whole book of Philippians. In fact, this is the fourth time that he has mentioned the word joy and he's going to mention a whole lot. It is one of the themes, not just of Philippians, It's the theme of the Christian life. God gives, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Remember Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And so, as you and I are growing, we are going to experience joy. What is joy? Joy isn't, I'm always happy and always feeling good about life. Joy is the ability to rejoice, the ability to joy in trials. Listen to some of these, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. In fact, this is a great text. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the people, it was a somber time. They were were all um, kind of convicted of some things and there was a time of great public sorrow. And Nehemiah would write to them and say, neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord Is your strength? So the circumstances merited a little heaviness, and in in fact, in their case, they were they were weeping. And despite that, he said, "Don't be sorry." It's it's, the idea is this is not a time to be sad. Say, "Hey, I can't control my emotions." You know, what I I just got to whatever, however I feel. Now, there's a time where. Sometimes we need to be corrected. You know, you're you're down in the mouth right now and you really, you have every reason to rejoice. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Sometimes we need to be exhorted to lift our spirits. Sometimes feeling sorry for ourselves, woe is me, focusing on the wrong thing can be something that the devil uses. And so there are times when we need to be exhorted hey, don't be sorry. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And then I love Psalm 16 and verse 11. It says, In God's presence there is fullness of joy. So, this idea of the furtherance of the gospel or the furtherance and the joy of their faith, that comes as they grow. But the flip side is also true. If you and I have come to a standstill in our faith. In other words, we're no longer the furthering or advancing or progressing. Then some of those things that are part of our growth, like joy, are not going to be there. And you know, that could be a good thing because sometimes sometimes you and I need to, uh, we need wake-up calls. And sometimes God will take away our joy. If we're not growing... Uh, it might be a sign that, you know what, there's some things that need to change. You don't have any joy. And, and, and when, when we don't have joy, that's one of the times where we need to back up and say, all right, why don't I have joy? And it, it very well may be I'm not advancing in the gospel. Now, joy is mentioned. Um, I already mentioned that. This is the fourth time it's mentioned I want to share a a letter that was written by um, the very first missionary that ever came to Bible Baptist Church. He he was a dear friend of mine and he has become a very precious friend of mine even more over the years. Uh, He was originally a missionary headed to Italy. and, And when he came, he was our first missionary. He spoke in August of, August 23rd, 1992. He spoke at our morning and evening service. Then he also preached for me and for us in uh, November of 1996. And then the last time he was here was February of 2000. His name is Mike Tardivi. Some of you may remember Mike Tardivi. He was a missionary in Ireland for for almost 20 years. Uh, He's back now. Uh, God has given him a very unique, fruitful ministry, uh, working in the bereavement and with hospice. Uh, He has... uh, been by the side of like four hundred, I think he said four hundred different people that he's ministered to that have passed, and he's had so many great opportunities to minister. And uh, he is a dear brother. But when he was in Ireland, he wrote letters that were profound. I, I mean, I would be fed by his missionary updates. You know, I, I looked forward to his missionary updates, and this was one of them that I tucked away. And and I want to share because this is this is a missionary that's going through some real testing but he's growing through the trials. Listen to what he said in this letter so so long ago. He said, One of the biggest challenges for the American abroad is what we might call ordinary life. America is the most luxurious culture in the history of the world. Everything at your fingertips at any time in a most efficient way is present-day America. But growing up in this environment cannot but affect your character. For this reason... It is well known around the world that Americans have the most difficult time adjusting to foreign culture. My friends, to put it plainly, we do not know how spoiled we are. That's true. Until that is, you go and live abroad. And then Mike shared this. We are no different. And our adjustment has sometimes been extremely difficult. There, are, and Listen to this now. He said, there are times when you begin to develop an extremely sinful contempt For the culture you are now immersed in. This. By the way. That doesn't just apply for an American going somewhere else. That can apply to every one of us. In different scenarios. Where we. You know. Because of some things that we're going through. We begin to develop a contempt. Let me read it again. Um, There are times when you begin to develop an extremely sinful contempt. For the culture you are now immersed in. This often leads to utter discontentment and sometimes depression. This makes real ministry impossible and is a very effective tool for Satan. We know that, don't we? Sometimes, you know, discouragement, discontentment can can make us useless to be a blessing for anyone else. He says sociologists call it culture shock. Now listen to what he said. We prefer to see it. As a revelation of the weakness of our character, the real issue is learning to die to self. It has been very real for us and at times overwhelming, but God has helped us marvelously and the strength of these cultural adjustments over us weakens yearly. I want to tell you something. The more I think about that, I realize that this applies to us, applies to me in so many ways. You know, I'm not, in my setting, I'm not, you know, going from one culture to now being thrown in another culture where I'd start having contempt for that because I was spoiled. But, I find, I'm getting older now. And, and you know, when I first became a pastor, times were very different. America was very different. The church was very different. The spiritual climate was very different. And now here I am, still a pastor, and I'm finding what Brother Tardivi said here about, you know, a different culture, I'm finding the same thing. It's like, you know what, and I mentioned this recently one way, it's so easy to just complain, oh, things aren't the way they used to be, you know, and just to get bitter, you know. Now I'm not comparing cultures, I'm comparing time periods, but isn't it the same thing? You see, God wants to grow us through whatever we're going through. And you can look at America the way it used to be versus America now. There's so many different things that you and I can become discontent and stop and and rob us of our joy and stagnate us in our Christian walk. Don't let that happen to you. I remember reading about a a young... uh, This was about 300 or 400 B.C., there was a young Greek artist named Timanthus. and he studied under a very reputable uh, tutor. And the tutor spent years trying to make this young man to be a a gifted painter, and finally one day it seemed to all pay off, and this man, Timanthus, painted a masterpiece. And even he himself thought this is a good painting. And so there would be times when the, the tutor would come in, his teacher would come in and he would see Tamanthus just staring at his piece of work, artwork like you could almost hear him saying, "Wow, I'm good. that's, that's good. I, I'm pretty good. And, he, and he, it eventually became such a thing that one day Tamanthus came into the to the wherever the painting lab or whatever. And he went over to his beautiful work to admire it some more. And it was there was paint splatter all over the place. Somebody had ruined his painting. And he was furious. He went up to his teacher like, what happened? And his teacher confessed, I did that. I did that because I saw that this painting was hindering your progress. <laughs> he said, I want you to go back and I want you to, to work on it again. I want you to do a new painting. And after he got over it, he took his teacher's instruction and he ended up working on what would eventually become a great masterpiece called The Sacrifice of Iphigenia. Uh, again, we're talking Greek culture way back when, uh, but it is, it is one of the great paintings of antiquity that this man did, but never would have done it if if his previous work that he had so fell in love with was not destroyed. Now there can be things that hinder us from advancing in our faith. Folks, there are all kinds of Christians all over this country who are stuck because they got bitter, something happened, and they lost their joy, and they're blaming other people. It's this person's fault, and that person's fault, and they've just stopped advancing. And there's no joy in their Christian life. They, some of them may even still be going to church, and going through the motions, and praying, and reading their Bible every day, but they're in a rut, and there is no joy. It is drudgery. Don't be that Christian. Make sure... You are progressing in your faith. Are you growing? Is God teaching you new things? Is God humbling you? Or maybe he's, you know, like this painter. Your life was just ruined because somebody did something. Hey, listen, God allows everything in our lives. There have been several times over the 31 years that I've been here where I almost fell, tripped, uh, you know, I, I because of something someone did or didn't do, and, and and I thought, you know what, this is not worth it. I, I can't take this. And the Lord said, oh, "I've got so much to teach you." And now that I look back on it, in fact, I remember when I was in the other church when I first pastored in Lancaster. My first difficult person was a lady that never even came to our church. Her parents came to our church, and she she called me like this this one pastor where he got that nasty phone call. She called me one night, laying me on the carpet, like really laying into me like he, like I was the worst thing. And I remember, first of all, like, you don't even come to our church. And I remember taking it personal. The next day, I believe it was, I was able to stand back and I thought, wait a minute. All right, Lord. You, you, I, in fact, it was back then. I must see every person and every circumstance that comes into my life as the Holy Spirit coming to me through that person or circumstance to make me more like Christ. And as I was able to get away from it, I thought, you know what? Now, that person, you know, they may not have been doing that by lo- based on love because they didn't even come to our church. They, they had no investment in me whatsoever, but God allowed that. And, and God used that. It uh, had nothing to do with what her criticism of me, of me was, but it was something else the Lord was dealing with. And it was that thorn that got my attention and caused me to advance in my Christian life, remember, all things work together for good that, to them that love God. Last point, oh my. what are we done? 45. Okay, I think I have five minutes according to my, my so let's, let's jump in. So first we had Paul's confidence, then we had their growth, their advancement in the faith, and now we have God glorified. Look at verse 26 that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. The word rejoicing has the idea of, of, it leans towards the idea of joy, but a more common phrase that would carry the idea would be boasting. Now, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. It means we're supposed to boast in the Lord. But here, so I want you to see it that way, that your rejoicing or boasting may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you. Now again, three things. He mentions Jesus Christ, then he mentions himself and his coming. And that's why it would be very easy to say, Wow, Paul, you really think pretty highly of yourself. You think that you're, you know, there's a saying, Oh, you think you're God's gift to the church, or you think you're God's gift. I remember when I was in high school Any stuck-up guy, uh, the women would say, he thinks he's God's gift to women, you know. (laughs) And so I guess you could say, Paul, someone could say, Paul, what do you think you're God's gift to the church? And somebody might be able to, you know, might get that wrong idea, but the rejoicing and the boasting is all focused at Jesus Christ. And Paul, the wording here seems very much to be, uh, now as you know, the, the, the Greek Translation of the Old Testament was what they used in that first century church. That was the main language. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, two verses, many people believe Paul is making reference to this. Look in the words that are used. Listen to this verse from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Paul was not rejoicing or boasting in himself. He was boasting in Jesus Christ. And that was Paul's theme. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul said, um, God's chosen the foolish things of the world that confound the wise, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17, Paul said this, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. So you know what? We need to constantly be boasting in the Lord. Another example of a painter, a painter by the name of Hokusai, 1700s into the 18, died in 1849, and uh, he was uh, at, at a, he was 89 years old. Towards the end of his life, he um, came to a point where he dismissed all the paintings that he'd ever done up to a certain age. He, just, he may have even thrown some of them out. But he said, anything I painted before I was 50 years old is junk. You know? And of course, it was not junk. This man was a super gifted painter. And um, he felt that uh, it wasn't until he reached 70 that he was turning out anything of worth. And when he was on his deathbed, he made this statement. He said, if heaven had granted me five more years, I could have become a real painter. I mean, the guy was a brilliant painter. Again, he died He died at the age of 89. But he said, if heaven had just granted me five more years, I could have, I could have amounted to something. Now, that, what's a blessing is, anyone that knew him would say, what are you talking about? You are a phenomenal painter. You know you're, these paintings are going to go on for history, but this was on himself. He's looking at it as you know what. It's in my mind, folks. It's just he was still progressing, and and he lamented that he didn't have more time to progress to grow. How are you in your faith, in your Christian life? Are you growing? Do you have a vibrant? healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. I've come to realize that you can be a pastor, you can be an evangelist, you can be in ministry and have an unhealthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it becomes all about... In fact, we're going to look... Tonight, we're going to be looking a little bit at Jeremiah chapter 7 where, you know, the people of Israel were going through all the motions. They were doing all the sacrificial things. They were going to the temple and doing all the things that they... supposed to do um, but they were in rebellion to God they did not have a healthy relationship with Yahweh I want to encourage you step back for a minute and and it's not about the activity you might say pastor I go to church every Sunday I'm reading my Bible every day I'm memorizing scripture I memorize more scriptures than anybody I pray more than anybody wait a minute do you have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he becoming more special to you? Are you growing? Is he teaching you things? I'm so grateful for those times when God has humiliated me. I want to say humble me, but I know that's what he's attempting to do. Uh, and, and just as, as Mike Tardivi said, again, I love this. He said... We prefer to see it. We prefer, we prefer to see it as a revelation of the weakness of our character. The real issue is learning to die to self. He said, at times it's been overwhelming. He said, but we are thankful that God has helped us marvelously. Let's make sure, folks, that we are furthering our faith let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would examine us. and Father, help us not to, to get stuck in our Christian walk. Help us to go on for you. Help us to go from faith to faith and just to advance in our faith and, and the joy of our faith. And Father, I pray that these things would be a, a help to us, that we'd be able to step back and kind of take stock and Uh, Lord, not get overwhelmed with discouragement, but just see that there's, there's a need for us to maybe get back on track, and we just ask for your blessing, Father. Magnify yourself, I pray in Jesus' precious name, amen.